0: The Bearcats got a favorable draw with the Big 12 schedule for 2023, but does that mean we can raise our expectations for this
1: team? Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: What a fun show we have for you today, right here on Lockdown Bearcats. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. We're free and available everywhere you get your podcasts, including on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel and follow it to get an alert every time we drop a new episode. Today's episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash lockdown today. To get started, I'm Alex Frank, your host each and every day. And today, what a show! As I mentioned at the top, we have for you this is a uh, a Bearcast Media reunion. I'm joined currently by my right hand man, Zach Freeze. Uh, he was my co-host on Sports Any Way You Wanted. We also um, co-hosted an NFL show, um, which we podcasted during the uh, COVID year. While we were at school at Cincinnati, Sean McMahon, who took over for being a sports director, is going to hopefully join us here um, later on in the show. So, Zach, you've got a lot going on. You've got yourself um, two podcasts now that we'll get to towards the end of the show. But you and I had a long conversation about the Cats team, the schedule last week. Um, where are you at right now um, with Scott Satterfield? We're two months in. How are you feeling, Zach? Are you, you know... Are you feeling better about the hire? Are you still a little skeptical? Where where are you at right now?
2: Well, first of all, Alex, thanks for having me on. It's great to be back, with, uh, running it back with you uh, from the old um, BearCast days. But, no, in terms of Scott Satterfield, look, I think so far um, not too much to complaint about, right? I mean, I thought uh, they had to hit the portal hard. Um, with, with so many guys leaving and you lose so many guys, to the draft and the portal and, and all that. So they, they, I mean, they had to hit the portal hard and they did. And I'm pretty satisfied, I think with, uh, what Scott Satterfield did. You look at, um, the offensive line was a question mark last year. I mean, how, how much they struggled to run the ball. Well, they get, went out, they got Trevor Dozovic, they got Luke Kandra and elder grad, no big deal. Um, they got Daniel Griziak, who I really like um, from Utah State, on uh, to help with the pass rush because they, you know, you lose Majay Sanders two years ago, didn't quite have that same thing, that same pass rush uh, this past year. And then look, they had no receivers, and they went out and they they restocked that room. Now there's no Jamar Chases, there's no Glizzy Gobblers here, but they went and they got you know some guys I think that can help. You look at Donovan Ali from Washington State. I think Sterling Burkhalter was a guy that, uh, you know, with a little upside, he was, you know, he's still got three or four years left. But, I mean, Alex, the key, and I think you'd agree, Emory Jones is how we're going to look at this class. If Emery Jones works out for this year, um, I think we're going to look at this class differently. differently. If not, if, if he if he doesn't, you know, maybe not quite as favorable because that's important, you know, and. There was up and down quarterback play last year. Ben Bryant wasn't bad, but, you know, he had his ups and downs. And so let's see what Emery Jones has. Um, he had it coming off a bad year at Arizona State. Um, uh, but he's in the past at Florida, he looked, he looked pretty good in that one year at Florida at times. So to me, the Emery Jones is going to be kind of the lasting, um, you know, really, what what defines this class? I think for Scott Satterfield, but other, you know, so far, so far, not not too bad. Can't be too disappointed, I don't think.
0: All right, let's go to the quarterback um, freeze because I I think that it is a much more extensive battle this year than it was last year. I think last year, despite the intrigue of Evan Prater starting, and he did have a good spring, and he was closing the gap. Um, with Ben Bryant, but ultimately Bryant got the starting nod for a reason, and the last two games of the season showed that. So, w- What are your thoughts on the quarterback room right now? Um, I, I think a lot of us are thinking Emory Jones is going to be the starter, but Ben Bryant's back. This will be his sixth, sixth season of college football. Evan Prater is still here. Maybe he does better in the Scott Satterfield system, but what what are your thoughts on the quarterback battle, Freeze? Like, um, and, and I've gone in depth on it on this show throughout yeah. the offseason. We're going to continue to you know do that until the season starts. But where are you at, Freeze? Where where are you at with the quarterback room right now?
2: Well, it's certainly interesting. I mean, you have four. I think you have four guys that realistically are going to come into camp and think they're going to be the starting quarterback, right? I think obviously Emery Jones, um, who I think is going to have the you know he's going to have an edge coming into to spring ball just because that's Scott Satterfield's guy, you know, he brought him in. Um, so I think you got to give him an edge in that department. But Look, Ben Bryant is has two full years starting in college football, two full years as a starter. Um, he was obviously the starter last year and then a year at EMU. So um, you have him. And then Evan, who was like supposed to be this hometown hero, highest rated recruit, you know, what's, It hasn't quite panned out, but I mean, he's still, you never know with, with a guy like that. Um, And then Brady Lichtenberg is another guy who I know a lot of people, I think at UC think could go start in the Mac, right? Like I think people are high on Brady Lichtenberg, but I think he's kind of the fourth guy. So I'm, I'm really surprised to be honest with you that Ben Bryant came back and Evan Prater and Lichtenberg all came back. Right. I thought at least one of them would transfer. Maybe two of them would transfer. But I mean, look, having having depth in the quarterback room, it's not a bad thing. Right. You have, you know, at least guys that have started, you know, multiple games before. Um, I know Evan Prater didn't start a ton, but he, he got a good, good, he got his feet wet last year and debate about how it went. And, um, you know, where he is in terms of maybe, you know, now we're in his fourth year and he's only made, you know, one start. So still some inexperience, but I mean, I don't know. It's it's not a bad problem to have, but I'll, I'll say this. I'd be surprised if, you know, Lichtenberg, Prater, and Ben Bryan are all here by the start of fall camp. I would, be, I would be a little bit surprised. I think you'll probably see some sort of movement in that room, one way or the other. You get a feel for spring ball and how that, how that shakes out
0: and talk to me about Evan Prater because I because I look at it freeze the last two games of last year he struggled but those were not ideal circumstances for him to be starting it um winner go home game against Tulane and granted he was I didn't think he was terrible in that game I thought passing wise was a struggle but he did run the ball well um the the Wasabi Fenway Bowl was just a disaster. I mean, that was, I mean, he, yeah. the, the Bear. I mean, yeah. Cincinnati could not run the ball. They couldn't move the ball. Seven sacks, which, was, which is so uncharacteristic for a Bearcats offensive line. So, and I only ask you because like, you know, with this quarterback class, I think Emery Jones brings the most upside. Ben Bryant brings the most experience. You alluded to it. He has started two full seasons of college football. And that's something that we can expand upon this offseason. Um, Brady Lichtenberg, Brady Drogosh, um, Jacob Hoying. I mean, there's – but Evan Prater. And I say his name because he is the highest commit in the 24-7 sports era for Bearcats football. And yet, he has only gotten two starts. Now, given the circumstances, are you taking much away from those first two starts or are you saying, you know what, new coach, new system – Maybe there's still something that can be unlocked with Evan Prater. Where are you at with him, Freeze?
2: Well, you know, I I think with Evan Prater, maybe it's maybe a little bit of the problem was we we had in our mind that he was going to be like a savior, like he was going to kind of come in, not a savior, but like he was going to be the hometown hero. He was going to, you know, he was going to be just a great. He could be Desmond Ritter, like Desmond, just like Desmond Ritter, maybe even better, just because of the pure talent we thought we saw. I, I think um I think Evan Prater's talented, but I think, I think it's easy to see why Ben Bryant beat him out. And I know a lot of people were clamoring last year, oh, Evan Prater should be starting over Ben Bryant coming into the season and then he should be Ben Bryant should be benched for him. But I think we saw Alex that yes he's a good athlete. Yes he's his legs are are great. They're a great weapon. But in terms of as a passer, he just in the in the time that we saw him, it was erratic, right? Like he had weird. I, I felt like there were a couple throws or a couple times where his like he it would take him forever to wind up and throw. Like there, he just it felt like you didn't know there was no consistency with it. The, the way he was throwing the ball, like sometimes it would be, you know, it would take him like a couple seconds to throw like a swing pass that like he need the ball needs to get out quicker. And so I think just like the, the inconsistencies of him as a passer and a lot of different, a lot of different uh, aspects, you know, missing guys low. Um, and it's not like, I don't want to bash Evan Prater. Like there were, you're right. I think in the two lane game, I don't think he was awful. I mean, he made some plays with his feet that, you know, got not a lot of quarterbacks are going to be able to make, but, in terms of a consistent um, passer, I just think that's where we—he wasn't—he just isn't as polished. And maybe in a maybe another off season. Uh, look, it's your fourth off season, or you know what, third. Well, it's going to be his fourth year, his senior year. Um, maybe another year. I don't know. Maybe more reps will help with that. But uh, you know, coming into this camp, I'd probably—he's probably third in the pecking order. So. You don't want to say like never, you know. You don't want to count out a guy who had, you know, the the high is the highest ranked recruit in UC football history. But you know, we only have when you when you've got two guys ahead of him on the depth chart. And you only have what two years of eligibility left, I think, or maybe three. I mean, he might have three. The COVID year throws everything out of loop. He might have three years. But you know, it's starting to think maybe we we kind of build him as something he's not going to be right and I don't want to rule it out entirely but you know I think we maybe thought oh going to come in Ritter's going to hand the keys to him and we're going to be off and running and I just maybe he's just not going to be that
0: I think it's a great point because I think what Evan what Desmond Ritter left after the Cotton Bowl in the college football playoff we all thought okay the torch is going to be passed to Evan Prater but then Ben Bryant transfers back and that um I think kind of reset expectations for the quarterback room. And then Brian ultimately didn't pan out the way that I think a lot of us um, hoped for. But I think in a way, a lot of us maybe wanted to see Evan Prater because of Ben Brian's struggles. And the fact that the offense, as Mo Egger alluded on to on this show yesterday, um, that the offense didn't really have um, any really excitement to it. And I think that's what a guy like Prater or Drogosh or Emery Jones can provide. Now, Freeze, we'll get into the Big 12 schedule uh, in just a minute because we were talking about that last week. And um, while the draw is favorable, that doesn't necessarily mean expectations should be raised. We'll explain why after I tell you how this episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by FanDuel. This you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Lockdown because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better because they have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. Super Bowl 57 between the Chiefs. And the Eagles, three Cincinnati Bearcats in this game, the Kelsey brothers and Brian Cook. I still like the Eagles, minus one and a half, and I still like a slide over uh, at 50 and a half. So, again, with FanDuel, the FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. I love the FanDuel app. It's so easy to use. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com to claim your no-sweat first bet. On Super Bowl 57. That's fanDuel.com/slash locked Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Thanks again for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, here from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players, Locked On College Basketball available on YouTube and wherever. You get your podcast. Back here on Lockdown Bearcats, a Bearcat today. I'm Alex Frank, former sports director of Bearcats Meeting. Of course, current host of Lockdown Bearcats, Zach Freeze, my former right-hand man. Sean McMahon, former sports director, hopefully going to join us uh, in just a matter of minutes, hopefully sometime before the end of the show. Um, okay, Zach, so um, the Big 12 schedule was released last week. I'm going to be honest. I really, really like the draw. Because you avoid Kansas State, you avoid TCU, you avoid Texas, you avoid Texas Tech, you get Oklahoma at home, you get BYU in September as opposed to November, you get UCF in November, you get Houston in November as opposed to September. I mean, and you're home essentially the whole month of October. Like, this could not have played out any better for the Bearcats in their first season, right?
2: I agree with you, actually. I don't know that you could – I don't know, you could have drawn it up much better, Alex. Um because not just like yeah the I think the schedule's favorable. I believe they avoided um, you know those are the top four teams that they avoided: TCU, Kansas State, Texas, Tech, Texas Tech. You avoid all those, um, and you get not only, you get Oklahoma at home. You still get Baylor at home. Like those are going to be fun game, uh, fun atmospheres, fun games. And UCF, you keep that really going. I think that'll be. Um, I think that'll be fun, and uh, West Virginia is back. We got West Virginia back, going to be terrible. So I think that's that's another good thing, bring, bringing that rivalry back. So I am with you. I, I think it's winning in terms of winning, and hopefully, you know, having a having a decent showing in your first year in the Big Twelve. I think it works out well, and you still get. It's not like you totally avoid getting. Good teams for your fans, you know, coming into Nipper. You want at least to have some exciting teams coming in, and you have Oklahoma and you have um, Baylor, I think, who's going to be improved. But you know, Oklahoma for years we had to play them at Paul Brown. You know, they wouldn't come to Nipper. Now, you know, you're going to have to come. You're going to have to come to Nipper. So, um, yeah, that'll that'll be exciting. I'm 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 really excited about the schedule. and, And like you said, I think I don't I don't know how you could draw it up much better.
0: I think another thing, too, I like is you get Oklahoma at home to start your Big 12 campaign. First ever Big 12 game, you're you're facing its, its hallmark program at home, and then you get BYU, which going out there is not going to be easy, but you get those two conference games out of the way, first two games, and, yeah, BYU on a short week is going to be a tall order, but, again, favorable. You go to BYU in September, and, it, I mean, it could still be 90 degrees out there, I mean, but it could also be a little colder. So I, I do think, um, Freeze with this schedule, and, and I, I said to you last week, I think the Bearcats can go 8-4. And, and the more I think about it, that might not be realistic because they're rebuilding at several key positions, because we don't know who the quarterback is going to be. But I, I still think about that. You know, you, you just never know because I, I look at the defense and how strong they're going to be. And I say to myself, if the defense is as good as last year, they're going to be able to, they're going to be in every single game because, uh, because of that. Is that a fair assessment? Is that an accurate assessment to you?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I don't think the defense is going to drop off all that much, Alex. So I, I think. Uh, on the defensive line, you you bring back Jawan Briggs and, and Dante Corleone's back, Malik Van's back. Um, so, and then you bring in Daniel Griesiac, who I mentioned earlier. I like the safeties too, Brian Threats and and Armoryon Smith. So, I don't think there's going to be much of a drop off, and I think you can kind of come in at least feeling pretty good about where you are defensively, even even facing some, you know, the, obviously the, the offenses you're going to be facing some, some high powered offenses, um, Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, you know, those are, they're going to air it out quite a bit, but, um, you know, I, I, I think you got to feel good about who are defensively. I think you're at least going to be able to, to hang your hat on it. And, um, I know with, especially with so much, I feel like there's so much more new on the offensive side not knowing who the quarterback is like you said o line's going to have new starters receiver room is basically totally you know you had to retool that so i think you're right i think the defense is something that the, you know we they're going to have to hang their hat on like that's going to be that's going to be incredibly important is and and they have the at least some sort of continu- continuity with a lot of guys coming back um especially up front which i think um, is is huge.
0: Okay, so there's one thing that I have been thinking about recently, and that is yes, the offensive line, we don't know really anything outside of I, I guess can you can you even definitively say Gavin Gerhardt's gonna start?
2: I don't know. That's maybe, but
0: I mean yeah, I mean, former Elder Panther, Luke Kandra, act as an Elder grad, if you haven't picked up on yet. Sean McMahon, who's hopefully going to join us, is also an Elder grad. So I, I, yeah. I got two Elder Panthers uh, with me on the show today. Plus, uh, I mean, our, our good friend Elliot rearing. So, we, I mean, what?
2: A lot what of Elder. Ever, elder everywhere. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. How about that? Um. So anyway, um. anyway, but aside from the offensive line being unknown, so Scott Satterfield took over Louisville in 2019. The year before that was Louisville's first season post Lamar Jackson. So they go 2-10. and 10, They bottom out. They bring in Satterfield. Their offensive line wasn't very good that year. As I mentioned, they were tied from third to last, or 127th in the country, in sacks allowed. But their offensive yards per game went up by almost 100. And you know why that is, Zach? I think it's because they had a dual-threat quarterback in Malik Cunningham. And say what you want about Malik Cunningham. And, and and I've heard people from Louisville say to me that, yes, Scott Satterfield was a good recruiter, but there, his recruits never, you know, panned out. Okay. Well, I mean, it's one thing. And I, and I think in the, Bearca- in the Luke Fickle era, which I'm not just going to dismiss it because of the way he left. Zach, you agree with me on this. What Luke Fickle did for this program will never be forgotten. And that's why you can never compare Scott Satterfield to Luke Fickle. If Scott Satterfield, even if Scott Satterfield wins a national championship, you can't compare him to Luke Fickle with what he did. When someone like Luke Fickle puts you on the map, that can never be replicated. It can be built upon by the next head coach. So I look at um, I look at what Scott Satterfield did with Malik Cunningham in Louisville in 2019. And again, re- recruiting is one thing, developing is another thing. And we were blessed in the Fickle era. I'm circling back to the point I was trying to make. The fickle era was both about recruiting and developing freeze. And with Satterfield, maybe the developing didn't work out in Louisville, but that doesn't mean it can't work out here. Is that do you agree with yeah, that? Yeah.
2: And I mean, I think it's hard pressed to say that no guy, I, I feel like it's hard to say nobody developed at Louisville. I mean, it's not like, look, Scott Satterfield, I know Louisville fans aren't. That, you know, they're not, they, well, they threw a parade, I think, you know, when he left. But still, I mean, it's not like they had no success at Louisville. I mean, last year it started rocky and they really rallied down the stretch. So, I mean, yeah, maybe at times, I think most of that is the quarterback position. They were a little bit, um, you know, Malik Cunningham was a Bobby Petrino recruit. I think they were he brought in a couple other quarterbacks that maybe didn't pan out the way Louisville fans wanted. And um, maybe that's a, maybe that's a dig or maybe that's a knock on Scott Satterfield. You know, he hasn't, it's been a little while um, since he's developed his own quarterback, had his own guy and that guy's had success. But I think, look, you can still build here. I mean, you it's, Cincinnati's a great job. A lot of, of fertile recruiting ground. As long as you make a concerted effort, at least in the city of Cincinnati, there's a lot of talent out here, and in the state of Ohio too, as we saw Fickle do. Sure, he could develop guys. Ab- absolutely. Um, I mean, it's a tough it's a tough act to follow, and when, when you got Luke Fickle, who's you know we, Ahmad Gardner is a nobody, and he's turned into a All Pro corner basically, but. Absolutely, I think he could come in here, and we'll we can he can come in and develop as I'm not terribly worried about that. It's not, you know, why why not? And um, you know, there, there's gonna be there's gonna be hits and misses, right? Like Fickle misses. There's there's guys you hit on. There's guys you miss. On. I, I'm yeah. I think you got to give Satterfield a, a stake, and I don't think it's fair to say like, oh well, he hasn't developed. He is, He hasn't developed, any – he didn't develop any guys at Louisville, or whatever Louisville fans want to say. And um, I don't know. I don't. I didn't know the Louisville roster very well. I don't know exactly what went on down there, and everything that went into what happened there at Louisville with Scott Satterfield. But I think this is a good job, and I think you know the talent level. You're going to have to recruit at a higher level, but you should be able to get better players. You know, we're out of the American now, the Big Twelve, like. You, Maybe you you shouldn't have to do, you still have to develop guys, but maybe you're getting more finished products. Hopefully that's, that'd be the goal, right? Getting more, more of those four stars and you have to mold guys, of course, but that, I think that'll play into it too. The level of guy that we're going to get hopefully rises as well.
0: Uh, hopefully that's the case. And, uh, well, this just got even better because right now we welcome in uh, my successor at BearCast Media. Nice backdrop you've got there. Sean McMahon, former sports director of BearCast Media, and now, what, current valet at Montgomery Inn and Montgomery Inn at the Boathouse. And you've, uh, I, I've heard you valeted Kirby Smart's car.
1: I did, actually. So this was, uh, oh gosh, last May. Uh, it was Kirby Smart. Uh let's see. I did Brian Harson's car. If you guys know who Brian Harson was, yep. The yep. former Auburn head coach. Um yep. I did his car, uh Bo Jackson, even. Um wow. Done a few celebrities in my time.
0: Again, that's okay now because there is no more uh Bo Jackson curse in the city of Cincinnati, as we know. Um, so Sean Zach and I were just talking about um the, Scott Satterfield and his recruiting abilities down at Louisville, which we all know were very good. But maybe, but as Louisville fans have told me ever since we hired him, the Bearcats hired him, those recruits really didn't pan out. The one thing that we were blessed with under Luke Fickle was recruiting and developing. Do you think Scott Satterfield can come into a, a program like Cincinnati and recruit, which, I mean, he's putting an emphasis, and Zach, we didn't talk about this yet, he is putting an emphasis on Ohio and Cincinnati. That's why he retained Kerry Combs and Walter Stewart. Do you think he comes in Sean and develops recruits better than he did at Louisville?
1: I mean, I think so. Um, I think one thing that, and I think one thing that Cincinnati has, that's really good is their administration. I think they're, I know Louisville's administration is alleged, allegedly not as good as some other power five schools. Um, so I think that – and Scott Satterfield made great progress at Louisville, by the way, actually. I mean, he took, a, he took Louisville, who kind of dropped off after, uh, after Lamar Jackson left, and he brought them back to relevance. He brought them back to bowl games. He got them winning again, and that's really hard to do in general. Um, so, so far, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to really say, um, but I think just the fact that he was able to kind of revive a, a Power 5 program already – I don't see why he couldn't necessarily do it again. Now I do think that we're not going to necessarily see the level of success that Luke fickle had immediately. I don't think that's going to be the case at all. Uh, in, at least in year one, if we do see 10 wins in year one, I think everybody and their brother would be more than happy to see those kind of results. Um, but whether or not that's going to happen, I, I don't know. Um, and more in all likelihood, probably not. Cause even Luke fickle went four in his first year. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be a couple of years before we can really say whether or not the recruits he's bringing in have panned out. Um, if I'm I'm an optimistic guy, so I tend to lean. Yes, I think he can. And I think he will. Um, you know, he doesn't have like a lot of NFL notable NFL talent um, underneath his belt. Um, but, you know, I, I don't doubt that he's been in the business long enough. I'm sure he I'm sure he knows what he's doing and I'm sure and, and he's got NIL together, too. That's another thing he's done well. So I think his recruiting is great. And I think he'll work on development as well. It's the
0: lifeblood of the sport recruiting and the future of the sport NIL. Now, Sean, you bring up an interesting point. Um, Luke Fickle going four and eight in his first season as head coach. But keep in mind what he was walking into. That was a disaster that he was walking into. Um, But and Zach and I were talking about this earlier, Sean, the Big 12 schedule, which is going to be a step up in competition. We know that. But – Sean, look who they avoid on the schedule. Kansas State, TCU, Texas, Texas Tech. They get Oklahoma at home. What a fun atmosphere that's going to be. That better be a nip and night game. Sean, I I know you'll campaign hard for a nip and night game for that. Oh, boy. Um, um, They go to BYU in September. I mean, you could go out there in November when it's colder. You go to Houston in November. Okay, better go then than in September when it's 110 degrees. You get UCF at home in November, could be a cold weather game. You're at home the whole month of October. So considering this is their first season in the Big 12, the schedule,
1: I think, shook out pretty nicely for them, wouldn't you say? About as favorable as it could, yeah, I would say so. Uh, I mean, Oklahoma, you know, they're going into year two with Brent Venables at the helm, and his recruiting class this year has been very good. Obviously, all those guys are going to be freshmen, but in the portal, he's also done pretty well. Um, I'm f- f- focusing specifically on Oklahoma right now, just because they're kind of the they're the name brand that Cincinnati's going to face this year. You know, the other teams they're facing aren't the national powerhouses that Oklahoma historically has been for a very long time. Um, but yeah, I think the schedule came out about as favorably as it could. Um, it would be kind of fun to to face Sonny Dykes, who literally just left the American just a year ago to go coach TCU, and you know, here we are facing them again in the Big Twelve. But uh, yeah, I I think for a first year, it's it's going to be a a good introduction. I think it'll be a a slow progression of you know, hey, this is Big Twelve football. This you know, these are these are the big boys, so let's get ready to play some football. I want to ask you
0: both before we transition to the hardwood. um, Your expect, excuse me, my voice cracked. Your expectations right now for the Bearcats in twenty twenty three.
2: Zach. I would say that's a, that's a that's a tough question man. Um, I think I kind of said I've been saying this. Six wins don't 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 if you win less than six games I'm a little disappointed. But if you get to six wins I can't complain too much, right? Like roster had to get, you know, quite a bit of revamping on this roster, especially on the offensive side. Um, I'd be tickled if they won 7 or 8, but if we go Six and six in the big, your first year in the big 12, you know, we're, it's a step up, right? This is a, this is big. We're in the big, big time football now. Um, so we can go six and six. I will feel, I'll feel, I'll be, I'd be good with that. If you told me we're, we're going to go six and six, pretty much no matter what, I can't be too upset.
1: Yeah, that's, that's actually exactly what I was going to say, Alex. I think six wins is is an attainable number. I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility for UC to get six wins. Um, is it going to be a struggle? Heck yeah, it is. I mean, it's a struggle to win football games every time you play. Um, but I think six wins is at least somewhat realistic. Um, it's People might say it's a little optimistic for first-year head coach Scott Satterfield, but I think UC fans know this program well enough and and how tough of a program luke fickle built and even i would argue left behind a lot of the players stayed behind and they're going to be huge to the foundation of the toughness of this team um i mean if you look at the schedule i think there's a couple games you can chalk up as wins right now you should hypothetically on paper be able to chalk up eastern kentucky and miami as wins you should be able to chalk those up as wins again you play the games on the field you don't play them on paper so we'll have to wait till that time comes but yeah, I think 6 wins is is uh is more than reasonable. And if they don't get that it's going to be disappointing for sure, but it's a uh, you know growing pains. So. Right.
0: I think if you go through the schedule, you can count wins. Eastern Kentucky win, Miami Ohio win. Um Iowa State win. Um uh Kansas, Kansas at home.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a win. Hopefully. Hopefully, that's- we'll see. They, they 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 shot out of a cannon last year, right. so.
0: Well, that they did. You're you're right. Um, and then, it's a matter of can you steal wins against like Baylor at home? I mean, that's a game you, um, UCF at home. If you can avenge what happened last year down in Orlando. Sean. I know you're big on the Bearcats beating UCF, um, <laughs> um, which they just did on the hardwood Saturday, which was always good to see. Let me ask you this, Sean. Zach and I were talking about this earlier um what are your thoughts right now on the quarterback room specifically Evan Prater who has started two games and struggled but the circumstances surrounding those two starts may not have been the most ideal
1: yeah it's it's tricky I mean it's it feels like one of the most loaded quarterback rooms I think UC's ever had whether or not it's actually going to be a good quarterback room or not it, it certainly feels that way with Emory Jones transferring in Ben Bryan Evan Prater I mean it's like Oh, my gosh. Like, well, we have Emery Jones, who started games in Power 5 play in the SEC, mind you. He's played some very, very tough football teams. So is he going to be a consideration? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Ben Bryant has been the starter for this team over multiple seasons now. Uh, You know, you go all the way back to 2019. He started the game against uh, Memphis in the the first week that we played Memphis. Um, He started that game, and he started – most of the 2022 season so that's got to come into consideration but also you do have evan prater who coming out of high school was a four-star recruit and is talented obviously has a lot of progress to make as a quarterback and who's been here for for a few years so it's gonna be tough and you got brady lichtenberg coming in nonetheless either you know and that's a that's a very highly touted quarterback recruit so what the heck do you do uh i don't know I really don't know. It's going to come down to the guy that's in the pocket. It's going to come down to the pilot in the cockpit kind of thing. Uh, not to steal a line out of Top Gun, but anyway, that's really what's going to come down to is who's going to perform the best at practice and who does coach Satterfield or, you know, whoever the quarterback's coach is, or is going to be, what are they going to go with? You know, who runs the offense the best? That's what it's going to come down to. Zach, do you have anything there? Yeah. I
2: mean, I think, uh, uh, you're right. I think it's, you want the best man to win, right? And, and um, last year, I think everybody was, we talked about like Evan Prater and everybody wanted him to to win. It seemed like everybody thought like, oh, he's going to be the guy, but it's not just about like, oh, how high you're rated. And he was, you know, obviously a really high really rated recruit, but um, it's the best man should win the job. And probably day one, Emory Jones, I'm sure he'll have a Probably the edge, just because of Scott Satterfield's guy. If I, you know, he he's coming in as you know the guy that Scott Satterfield brought in. So if you made me guess as to who the quarterback will be, then it'd probably be him. But also, like I mentioned earlier, it's not a terrible problem to have, right? Like you have four guys that realistically, like I think could could start. You know, Brady Lichtenberg hasn't played much, but I like I said, I, I, people are really high on. Him and, and think he's going to be in the mix, and he's going to expe- be expected to compete. So, yeah, I mean, it's not at the end of the day, one of them might transfer, they or maybe two of them might transfer. Who knows? But um, it's it's not it's a bad problem to have, right? So, could be it could be worse. Like Sean mentioned, you know, it's a loaded quarterback room.
1: Let me let me add one more thing. I think did I say Brady Lichtenberg or Brady Drogosh?
2: Brady Lichtenberg. You said Brady, him, Drogosh Brady Drogosh Brady, too. Honestly, Drogosh. he's a true freshman. That's who I okay, yeah, that's yeah. what I meant to say. So you have M2. five
1: quarterbacks who could potentially, realistically, lead this team to wins. That's that's tough, man. I mean, it, again, it's it's going to come down to who who is that guy who gives you the best chance at winning football games. And to have five options, that's really not a that's a great problem to have. I think any coach would kill to have. That that sort of uh, dilemma, you know, it's it's better to be over That's, over yeah, right. populated than underpopulated. So, see sure. fans are gonna have to, you know, I mean, it's gonna be a huge announcement. Whoever the quarterback ends up being, I don't think it'll be Brady Drogos just simply right. because he's a freshman. I don't think it's gonna be him. Um yeah. I really, I I agree with Zach. I think Emery Jones is is kind of, if I had to bet on it, I would say he's the leading favorite. But I also wouldn't rule out. Ben Bryant and Brady Lichtenberg and Evan Prater. It's, you can't roll those guys out yet. So you have potentially five guys. It really, I would say is four, just because purely experience and, you know, time with the team or just in a power five program. So it's tricky, but it's a fun situation. We'll see how it shakes out come August.
0: It. I think having five guys, it makes this a more interesting quarterback discussion than we had last year, because I think last year it was, well, Ben Bryant's back. How much does that mean? Can Evan Prater close the gap? I mean, Evan Prater had the, had more upside. Ben Bryant just had more experience than it, than it showed throughout the season. And that's ultimately why Ben Bryant started the first 11 games of the season. But it is going to be interesting to see um, not only who starts this year, but I think how the young guys like Drogash develop. Can Evan Prater sort of, um, re, uh, how do I say this? Um, revitalize his game under Scott Satterfield. I think there's a lot to this that I am really uh, looking forward to see how that plays out in the spring and in the summer. We will switch gears after we hear from two of our sponsors to the hardwood Bearcats men's basketball as we head down the stretch in the regular season. Back after we will do that after we hear from two of our sponsors. Zach Free, Sean McMahon, Bearcats Media Reunion. Sean took over for me in 2021. The right hand man for many, many years at Bearcats Media, building up the student run media organization at the University of Cincinnati. And we have a lot of experience having covered Bearcats football and men's basketball. Heck, we even broadcasted games outside at Nippert Stadium in 35 degree weather during COVID. You guys remember that?
2: Yeah. It was a brilliant. And I idea. was just talking about that earlier
0: today, actually. <laughs> fun times um yeah those those were some fun times but uh hey I mean at least we were fortunate enough to be able to really document one of the great UC football teams of all time
2: oh absolutely oh, yeah. we were there for the we were there we kind of saw it as well Sean had saw only good seasons we saw it from the bottom yeah it's a level to you know almost to that playoff but basically through the Peach Bowl, which was, it was really cool to see and kind of the unexpected us going from four wins to having a 10 win season. It was kind of totally unexpected, which is really cool. I'd, I'd kind of go back to, you would have told me like the night we won at the Rose Bowl at UCLA, like what would happen after that, man, what a, what a ride we had. So it was fun. A lot of fun. You go from,
1: yeah. you are from the Hayden Moore days to the Desmond Ritter days. How about <laughs> yep. that? Yep. <laughs>
0: I don't think anybody will forget the Hayden Moore days. I mean, there were some – now, Sean, you want to tell – I don't know how much uh, my Lockdown Bearcats audience knows this, but do you want to tell people what you kept telling me, and I'm sure you told Zach this throughout the 2018 season. You worked for the football team that year. What did you always say to me about Hayden Moore?
1: Uh, What exactly – how exactly did I word it? I don't remember, but I I think I said something – I said something along the lines of I still don't think Hayden Moore – is going to win us like a bowl game or something. I said said something along those lines and, yeah, you know, Ritter goes down and and guess who steps in. And, and let me tell you, that's a storybook ending for, I know this is four or five years ago, but how about that storybook ending for Hayden Moore? Guy deserves it. You know, he worked tail off for the team. He's yeah. He struggled. He wasn't the greatest quarterback, but you know, that was, I think more due to circumstance than anything. So I great way to end uh, his career when, uh, when he did.
0: No question about it. I mean, that that was a very memorable game. Bearcats beating a familiar foe in Virginia Tech. Um, Let's switch gears to the hardwood. I mean, here's the beauty of podcasting um, or the the unique thing about it is I'm going to be full transparent here. So we recorded this yesterday afternoon. You're listening to this on Wednesday morning. You know the results of the Bearcats two lane game. We recorded this Tuesday afternoon. We did not know, of course. Um, But overall this season, Bearcats men's basketball. Zach, I know you go to all the home games. Sean, have you been to a game yet this year?
1: I actually haven't. I've been, uh, I've been meaning to, I think I'm going to try to get to one before the season's over. Cause I haven't yeah. missed a basketball game and, or at least in a single season, I haven't missed a game since probably 2017. So I, I need to keep that streak alive.
0: Well, I mean, you got three home games left. Two of them are, uh, they have something significant to them. Temple, which is going to be an absolute battle SMU, which is senior day. That's the last home game for, I mean, David DeJulius. Julius. I mean, I don't, I don't think he can come back after this year. So Right. Uh, yeah, he, did, yeah, he can't come back. Um, so man, this that COVID year throws everything off. She's, um, mm-hmm. but your guys' thoughts overall on this team this year, because what I'm seeing is a team that is really fun to watch, but I just feel like there's something still more we need to see and something that we can tap into, right?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think they're right now they're playing probably their best basketball this season, the last couple of games, even a loss to Houston, they played really well. Um that was a you're up 11 with 10 to go. It's a shame they couldn't pull it out, but I mean all in all it's it's a you know when you when you compare it to what we saw last year especially at home against Houston where we got dog walked by 30. Um it's a uh, it's definitely um it's definitely a, uh, some progress, but I think the thing missing Alex is okay, they just beat UCF at home and, and UCF was at least a decent opponent they're they're around the same as Cincinnati in terms of Ken Palm um around that 60 mark which was nice but can they go on the road and beat a good team like can they go can they close the deal they almost did it with Houston which would have been a monumental win and I guess you know t- tomorrow as you're listening to this you'll know like did they do it with Tulane? And Tulane's a team. They're playing really good basketball, too. They just beat Memphis. Ken, um, we've seen it at home. They beat Tulane at home. They beat UCF at home. They can beat a team somewhat similar to them in terms of talent. But, okay, they're starting to play really good basketball. Can this team go on the road? And they're going to have three road, like tough road tests left. You're going to Tulane, Memphis, and UCF. Like, can you win two of those three? I think that's kind of the next step. Like, all right, can we really get into the get in? You know, behind Houston in that two-three spot, I think is is the thing I think most fans of, of this team are are waiting on.
1: Yeah, I I agree with Zach uh, wholeheartedly. I mean, two lanes a good basketball team, and you do have some tough road trips. I mean, every time you go on the road, it's going to be a battle. I don't care who you're playing, especially when you go to East Carolina. Every time you go there, it's a freaking nightmare to play the Pirates. It is. It's they always play well against us at home. UCF, I mean, you know, despite how good of a performance UC put up, UCF was still battling towards the end. They had they had a chance to to very well get back in that game uh, against UC at home, and then Temple always one of those schools that just fights hard. Um, no matter, you know, no matter how good of a team that you have, they are, they're always a good team to play Memphis, obviously going to be really tricky. And, uh, senior day, if you can get a win on, if you can get a win on senior day versus SMU, that'd be huge. And, uh, I said this last year, I thought last year they could reach 20 wins and I still think they could have, they just played a, they just played some pretty bad, ugly games last year. Um, but this year, you know, they're sitting at 16 and eight. You've got quite a few games left. You got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games left. You can absolutely reach the twenty-win mark. And I think that's a huge milestone because even Mick Cronin took a few years to get to the 20-win mark in the Big East days when he first took over as head coach. So I think for Wes Miller to reach 20 wins or 20 plus wins in his first year would be a huge step if he can get there. Um, but if you're if you know if you want to talk about the postseason, which I know we're not on that topic yet. Um, you're going to have to fight hard and you're going to probably have to win the American championship. Cause right now Houston's basically got a golden ticket to get in, regardless of what happens to them pretty much the rest of the season, I would argue, but right. You know, you're going to have to battle yeah. hard. If you're UC.
0: I was going to ask you guys, um, is there any way besides winning the conference tournament, this team could make the NCAA tournament? And if not, what chance do you give this team to win the conference tournament? Because I think if they get Houston a third time, they could beat them, especially after what we saw uh, the last time they played them.
2: I think that it's going to be really tough for them to get in at large. Uh, if you squint hard enough and they went, if they were to win out and lose in the finals, I think they'd probably be in the first four out. If that made, made me guess. So, I, I mean, I think they're probably going to have to win the conference tournament, just not enough quad one opportunities left. Uh, in terms of getting Houston, look, I think they could win the conference tournament. I don't think it's crazy. Um, the problem will be, and that's why these game, these road games against you know UCF, Memphis, Tulane, obviously. Um, that's why these are so important because you want to be in the two three match seed. You want to be the, You don't want to be the four or the five because you're going to be on. Not only are you going to probably play. No, you are not you're gonna have a tough out in the first game, probably, but you're gonna then you're gonna get Houston. You wanna get Houston in the finals. Um, you're gonna have to uh you, you want to limit uh, as many tough matchups as possible. If you're getting in that four or five game, you're gonna have a three game tough stretch there. That's why I think if they could get the two or the three seed. Which would theoretically mean they're playing good basketball. I think they got a shot. Like I, I think you've got a real lot of winning this thing, because they I mean they gave Houston everything they could handle. I think Houston made if is if Jarus Walker was a cyborg, I think Houston Cincinnati gets out of there with a he made every shot, 20-footer over four extended hands, fading away. You know, getting just every Jairus Walker made everything. I don't think if they played again, knock on wood, I don't think he'd go eight for 10 on 15 foot contested jump shot. He could, I guess he's that good, I guess. But I don't know. That looked like a if that team, that focused, disciplined, prepared team that played at Houston showed up, they could win this. They could win this, I believe. I think,
1: Sean. Yeah. I mean, I think Zach makes a lot of great points there. Um, and the thing about that game at Houston that made the difference in the second half was Houston just started making their shots. That was, it was really that simple Houston. Just, I don't want to say they couldn't miss, but it seemed like they couldn't miss and they, they just, they kept so theirso- themselves in it. But if you go to UC schedule, they're 16 and eight. If they win the next seven, which is the last remaining uh, regular season games, they'd be sitting at 23 and eight, which is a respectable record. But, as Zach mentioned, you don't really have any quad one wins. You got nobody that you beat. You know, there's no moral victories in this game. It's not like the college football playoff where you say, oh, well they almost, you know, like you look at Texas and it's like, oh, well they lost Alabama by one in college basketball. It really doesn't work like that. It's more like, no, you lost You, you. That's it. You lost. You didn't get that win. So, you know, they didn't really have any opportunities outside of Houston to win big games. Uh, so i mean they had ohio state i guess early in the season in arizona as well when they were in maui
0: yeah
1: so those would have been huge games xavier would be considered a good win as well i guess so i take it back those were actually there were some pretty big chances um but yeah i do think that they they have a chance but i think it is only if they win the tournament and i think if you're cincinnati what you don't want to do if you face houston a third time you might have their number but ultimately, what you want is for, say, Memphis or maybe, who knows, Wichita State. Somebody just from left field just knocks them out right. of the tournament where you can even face yeah. them. So maybe that happens. Who knows? We don't know. Mm-hmm. The, these games have to be played out first. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Cincinnati, if if that happens or if they face Houston, I, I have faith that they could beat them. They almost did it in Houston. Why couldn't they do it in the tournament? Uh, so it's going to be uh, – it's going to be tough, but they have a a shot to get in, but not unless they win the tournament, in my opinion.
0: I think you're definitely both right. I think they're going to have to find a way to win the conference tournament to have any shot of going to the NCAA tournament. Now, I still think that, I still think that can happen, especially if they're on that 2-3 line, because, again, you don't want to face Houston until the championship game, and then maybe a team like Tulane or Memphis or Temple can take them out in the semifinals. And then you get one of those teams in the championship game, um, which would be really, really uh, beneficial to the Bearcats. Guys, this was fun. Uh Bearcats media reunion. Zach, you got a good gig uh, right now at Pro Football Focus. And you've got what, two podcasts? You've got the Rally Cap or the yep. Rally Pod. And then you just, you just unleashed a new yep. podcast, the Freeze Frame podcast. So looking forward uh-huh. to listening to your first episode with uh, ESPN college basketball analyst, Mark Adams, one of my favorite uh, people who I came across uh, during my time at Cincinnati. Sean, you got your valet and you're meeting a lot of, you're meeting a lot of great people. And uh, I, I'm I at see, I hard
1: too. Don't forget that.
0: Yeah, how did I forget that? Yes. My old stopping grounds. So uh, yes, you, you're currently at I Heart. You're, you're, you're working with uh, the best Mo Lance, Scott Sloan, uh, and uh, I I I can see that you're you're still a Boston fan, so that is uh
1: the band Boston, so <laughs> always. I'll be in Boston later this year though, potentially. For, in a, year, for a ballet trip, yeah. They a valet trip. Live uh live golf event, potentially. A nice. like live that. golf event. How about that? Yeah, yeah. All right. Fun. See, I've not been to Boston since I was probably eleven. So interesting. Being yeah. twenty two, it's gonna be a little bit different.
0: Yeah, just get yourself some Sam Adams and some Boston cream pie and some New England clam chowder, and you're good to go. <laughs> so, uh, Sean McMahon, former sports director of Bearcast Media, succeeded me. Zach Freeze, our our former right hand man, former co-host with me on Sports Anyway, you want it, and our NFL show that we did with our another another iHeart Media employee, Elliot Rearing. So, uh, band still going strong. Bearcast Media, uh, we built that staff into something, and uh, look at all of us now, uh, all venturing out into the world. So, guys, this was fun. Great to talk to you, and uh, we'll do this again sometime.
2: Thanks a bunch, Alex. It. Appreciate it, man.
0: Wishing you all the best. I'll see you all when I get home this weekend at the uh, in Ohio. So looking forward to that. Zach Zach Fries and uh, Sean McMahon, kind enough to join me today right here on Lockdown Bearcats. That's going to do it for me today. Later today, Russ Heltman and I will be with you with our live room. Lunch hour, 1230. Looking forward to that. Recapping the Bearcats' previous three games against Tulsa, UCF, and Tulane. Looking ahead to Saturday's game against US, USF. Talking about the latest surrounding the football program and so much more. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. Thanks for uh, for your second listen. Check out our brand watch basketball experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton. Bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, here from big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Lockdown College Basketball is available on YouTube and wherever. You Get your podcast. I'm on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty with two Ns and an ATI. Instagram, Alex Frank not underscore, and email, alex 3 at gmail.com. Zach's on Twitter at freezy27. Um Sean, I believe, is on Twitter, but I am not sure of his name. So he is on Instagram at Sean. Um, I should well, I don't know if I should be saying his Instagram, but uh yeah. Okay, I'll leave it there. All right, thanks for making us your first listen every day. I'm Alex Frank for Locked On Bearcats. Have a great rest of your day, and I'll be back to, and I'll be back later today with Russ Helbin at twelve thirty Eastern time, and I'll be back on Friday with a new episode to round out the week right here on Locked On Bearcats.